Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers. And I'm Andrea Willits. Together, we're disrupting the trance of unworthiness and guiding women to reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Today, we have a very special guest, Vanessa Rarisi. And we will be having some very compelling conversation about upsetting the trance of unworthiness and so much more. Stay tuned for Revealing More with us. Hello, Vanessa. Hey, hey. Welcome to the Revelation Project podcast. So excited. Hey, Vanessa. It's Monica. Hey, Mon. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing really well. Thanks so much for making the time today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. Yeah. Now, I understand things have been like probably nutty as they have for me with the kids getting out of school. Yes. Yes. Why do we not put this on our calendar that when they come home, we have more people to interact with and who need our attention and that our our pieces of... uh, constructed and concentrated time to work are a lot smaller. Right. And every, (laughs) every year, right. I kind of go through this anxiety that I can't quite get my head around until I'm like, oh yeah, this actually happens every year. It happens when the kids come home from school for the summer and when they're about to go back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's good times. So we're actually in week two of the transition and it, it does feel like, you know, it's happening. We're good. Yeah. We'll get there. So, so it was really funny, Vanessa, I was just kind of recapping with Andrea, how we got in touch almost exactly a year ago, literally these like weeks in June, the early weeks in June, which now we're towards, isn't that funny? Wow. Yeah. It feels like we've been talking forever. Like I know (laughs) in some way. Yes. So wow. What a year. What a year. That's kind of amazing. I know. And I was going to just say, I wanted to just kind of introduce our audience here to you and tell them about how I came to want to get in touch with you. So, so what's interesting is Vanessa Rares is somebody that I heard on Rob Bell's podcast, the Robcast, around this time last year. And it was really interesting because I remember, Vanessa, you were getting interviewed before Rob really kind of spoke to your husband, who's also named Rob. And Mm -hmm. you were kind of providing the intro And what you said was so interesting and so compelling. And I was, and I know, you know, I laugh because I'm like, I know that your husband Rob is up to some really important things in the world. And I was like, oh, wait, don't go anywhere. I want to hear more about what you had to say, because you were talking about being ordained at that point at your church, which is vintage, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'd love it if you give a little bit of background, kind of what you were talking to Rob Bell about that day. Okay. Yeah. So my husband 
Well, I've, you know, I've been a, a Rob Cass listener for a long time, probably since he started. And I've known Rob Bell of 20 years at least and have kind of been following his career because he was pastoring in Michigan and we pastored in Michigan. I mean, he was doing really innovative things at the time before he even started the church that he was at. And so I just was always interested in what he was up to. And so then when he moved to California and started the Robcast, I, you know, was following along. One of the things that I heard on the Robcast was an interview with Zach Exley and Zach started a group called Brand New Congress, which led to us getting involved with politics, which was really unforeseen, not at all on our radar. And so my husband ran for Congress in 2018 and because we had sort of gotten into it because of Zach Exler's podcast, and it made a lot of sense for us to sort of follow up with Rob on the Robcast. And so he invited us to come out to L.A. and be in the back house and kind of tell our story. And so I just expected to be the intro, like you said, and kind of setting Rob up to talk about, you know, running for office and what that's like and being regular people and not being, you know, political insiders. And, you know, that that's an important and interesting story. But as we got started, Rob Bell just kind of kept asking more and more questions about me, which I wasn't really prepared to talk about myself. But I'm, I'm also like, I'm also just really open. And I don't, I'm just a, a really, I don't know, I guess authenticity is like one of my big things. And so I just kind of kept talking. Yeah, you were just being yourself. Yes, yeah. And so I, you know, knowing what his podcast is like, I was like, really? You you keep asking me more questions about me? I mean, you had Oprah on. (laughs) Why are you talking to me? (laughs) So I like the week before he had had a woman who was a journalist and who had been kidnapped and had talked with ISIS. And I mean... So I just really was kind of floored and having fun and really kind of just let myself go because Rob is really like that. He really kind of lives multiple lives by hearing other people's stories. So, yeah, so he kind of got me going and I kept talking. And then I had people like you connect with me and say, we, you know, we're we're interested in your story. Can you tell us more about that? And so... Yeah, that's been interesting because I didn't know that people would want to hear from me. Yeah, right. I think that's probably, you know, a standard response (laughs) when we do start talking about ourselves, right? And it's like, wait, you want it? You want it? You actually want to know more? And I think, too, that the funnier part was that when I kind of talked to you about what really, really compelled me to reach out to you was the part where you were really kind of talking about your role in the church and women's role in the church. Mm-hmm. And as it kind of related to really being recognized and paid for your leadership. And really, yeah. it was a very poignant conversation at the time because, and still is, because of course of what we're kind of all starting to, what I call kind of this feminine consciousness that's really feeling like it's wanting to reveal itself. And you had said, you know, some really interesting things about kind of holding your congregation, kind of being witnessed for your leadership, being paid for your leadership and yeah. And not wanting to kind of contribute to the um, the oppression, your own oppression, by yeah. remaining silent. Yeah. So, I mean, so Rob and I 
started our church, I guess we're going on 12 or 13 years now. And when we started, you know, there was a lot of freedom. I didn't, we were leaving the denomination we knew. And I, and he really encouraged me to just, you know, be whoever. So there was kind of all this space to sort of explore that. And I'd always, you know, I always knew I belonged in ministry. That was where I felt most comfortable. But, you know, the de- denomination and the background that I came from was fundamentalism, evangelicals, that they did not allow women to be pastors. And so it just never occurred to me. And then it took a good 10 years, really, of even being in this really open space with people that were totally fine with wh- whoever I wanted to be for me to realize, oh, I'm allowed to step up. I'm allowed to have a voice. And we began to. I mean, all of us were just very open to the idea that it's fine for me to pastor. So then kind of owning that, it took years to unfold that and to and to be okay with that. And what I realized was I was putting my church in the position of oppressing me mm. by doing this work without having it be formalized. I was putting them in the position of being oppressors, of being, of, of exploiting me, of using me. Um, yeah. And that was really unfair to them. Yeah. Because that's not who they are. <laughs> yeah. So Vanessa, this is Andrea. Yeah. Hi. So I heard you say, I didn't even have an idea, right? Going 10 years back mm-hmm. or more. Yeah. Of the, I'm going to say, you know, living under the veil or being unconscious, right? Like, and it's really interesting as the veils started coming off for you, where you go in your perspective is, and I love it, is that you're recognizing that you weren't serving really your congregation, right? In actually playing small. Right. Okay. And so I'm very curious about as you started to lift the veils and stepping into what I call your, your fully permission divine wisdom. Okay. Yeah. How did your congregation respond they, they've been just huge cheerleaders. They've been, they've been so excited for me and so affirming of, of the things that I have wanted to say and the things I wanted to do. So we have, we have two former pastors who attend our church and both had been in, you know, traditional settings where women were not given that space. And they, they consistently send me messages that they love my perspective and that this is what they've needed to hear, that what I bring to the table is amazing, that they can't believe that I've started off preaching at this level. I mean, they're just huge cheerleaders. And I think it's because they know, they know what it's like to be out there in front and to know that they can't speak to the experience, like probably more than half of the people that are in their church. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, for so long, the mindset was like, well, of course, men would be the leaders. And, you know, I mean, where I came from, we didn't even question like, oh, well, you know, men just, you know, by virtue of the fact they have a penis, like they just are better prepared to lead. Yeah. 
And that's what I was taught. And, you know, when I say that out loud, they just laugh their heads off. <laughs> like, they just, I mean, they just think it's so hysterically funny. At the absurdity of it or the truth? At the absurdity that like, what, why, why have we just given over, you know, power and our vulnerability and all of it? Well, you're a man, so you must know better. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely, they don't, they weren't given some special message from on high to know how to handle things just because they're guys. They yeah. don't. Yeah. And and these guys know it. Yeah. So, yeah. so it it's really, it is fascinating, right? Because I think one of the things that I'm, that we're all experiencing as we wake to this absurdity, let's just kind of... Mm-hmm kind of keep going down this track is that it's really it's like I, I remember one of our first conversations you know it was like I had brought up you know kind of the trance of unworthiness yes yeah and really just knowing that that landed for you in some way mm-hmm. there's this cloaking or unveiling that feels so subtle and yet at the same time so gobsmacking, (laughs) you know, like in terms Mm -hmm. of its impact as you start to Mm -hmm. awaken to it, that we've really played into this, that there's actually, Mm -hmm. there's actually kind of like a, a responsibility is kind of what I'm starting to also awake to around not being complicit in my own oppression anymore. Right. The responsibility you were talking about, Vanessa, around like, wow, I don't actually get to play small here anymore because I'm not serving, right, mm-hmm. the people that are gathering, you yeah. know, around me, right? Like, yeah. I am to be that example of full permission and expression, Right. Mm -hmm. And to be. Yeah. 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 So I have a question for you. How has this unveiling for you, you stepping fully into your expression, your feminine wisdom? How has this, you know, fast forward into from 10 years ago to now. Right. Or even a year ago. Sure. Uh How has it impacted you personally? So I, I would say that I am more whole. And the reason I will say that is because I think I'm, I for so long was waiting around to feel like I was ready or that I was, that I felt permission or that I felt competent. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm learning is that my, my feelings are faithful, are faithful guides, but they are also, they also can be interrogated. And so I'm bringing my whole self, like I'm listening to my body and I'm listening to my brain and I'm listening to my feelings all together and realizing that I can do something physically and my feelings will catch up. They're just, they've just been conditioned to be fearful. Yeah. And I don't have to give them like all the weight. So I I can even that out. I can listen to my body. And if my body is anxious, then I can interrogate that and say, well, why are you feeling anxious? Well, you're feeling anxious because you were taught that you're not allowed to do this. And so you're waiting for someone to shame you. 
but no one's going to, or if they do, like they're people that you don't trust anyway. Yeah. They're people from your past. And so like being able to, to witness like, okay, so you're feeling panicky. That's real. But the the panic is coming from the the expectation. And so like I've been able to really become much more bold in what I have to say because I'm no longer frightened. I don't have to be afraid of, well, they're going to shame me or they're going to throw me out or I'm not going to belong to the tribe anymore. I'm going to, you know, literally what your body is telling you is that you're going to die because you're not going to have connection Yeah. because you'll be thrown out of the, you'll be thrown out of the camp, right? You can't survive alone. But what you have to like, what you have to do is allow yourself to recognize like, Oh, those people may end relationships with me because they don't like what I'm saying, but there are, you know, a thousand other people out there that need this message. Yes. They need this. They need to hear what I have to say because it's going to, it's going to embolden them and make them safer. And that's where the mission lies. That's where the work lies. It doesn't lie in Mm. getting these people from my past to agree with me. I'm not taking them with me. Those are not my people. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Vanessa, I love what you're saying. And I love what you (laughs) said about feelings are my guides and, and I'm hearing that it, and you don't leave it all up to the feelings, right? I'm hearing that you, you connect to your body and then there's the spirit, right? You know, Monica and I talk about body, mind, spirit, compass, right? Where all three are wonderful guides for us. But, you know, that feeling piece that you're speaking to is crucial, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think we're expecting that, like, okay, well, I've made this big discovery about myself or I've changed my thinking. I'm going to step out and do something and people should be applauding me. And not everybody will. Right. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to be pissed off that you've changed. And so just being able to identify what that looks like and how you work through it and that it's okay. And you can be in harmony with yourself and know like, okay, well, that's fine. I understand why you're upset. Like, I get that you are afraid that I'm changing, Mm -hmm. but, but it's okay. I know what I'm doing here and you'll be all right. And, you know, honestly, I've had to deal with that at times, even with my husband, because what I've learned in coming into this pastoral work is that what I'm really strong in is relationships and helping people navigate conflicts and hurts and internal struggles. And so like, I've been able to be really bold and encouraging them. And he's been like, Oh no, you're going to split the church. I'm like, no, I'm not. I know what I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. all right. Like you wow. just be calm, man. I got this Wow. because I know what I'm doing. And so what that's brought, I feel like is a, is a lot of strength to he's able to, you know, he's able to do what he does and do it well. And I appreciate that. Those are things I don't do. And I'm able to do what I do. And now we have like a, we have like a balance coming into this thing, which is so much healthier. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that you're pointing to here or revealing is that there's this partnership in the masculine and feminine. Yes. Right. And that there's something about Rob and Rob's leadership and how Rob leads. And there's something about Vanessa and her feminine leadership and how Vanessa leads. Right. And also that, that the masculine and the feminine actually dwells within all of us. And right. You know, a lot of what we're kind of exploring here at the Revelation Project 
these days is really kind of at the heart of this harmony or tension or and when I talk about tension I'm talking about you know from a creative tension or a Uh you know a dynamic between this masculine and feminine that both really need to be at play in all of us to bring us all back into harmony and more importantly to bring the earth back into harmony and of course Uh what we're seeing kind of all over the place frankly is a lot of disharmony and a lot of yeah. really suppressed feminine and uh-huh. and a lot of kind of really what was alarming to many of us, you know, around the time of the election, which I feel like really started to expose so much of this disharmony was really kind of like how how did this kind of now what is kind of this amplified disharmonic leadership, right? If I'm continuing down this, mm-hmm. down this path happen and, and now what, right? And really having then a kind of a cascade of events happen where women started to get really in touch with their outrage on so many levels. It's like this amplified and exposed so many injustices, not only with sexism, but all of the isms. Yes. Yeah. It was ignited, right? Like we were literally ignited. So there's that disguised gift. And now it's, okay, so so what are we going to do with it? Right? And one of the things that I remember really feeling, you know, because that's, you go, we go back to the feelings. And when I heard you speak, Vanessa, for me, it was like this feeling in me got ignited because, you know, you and I had shared earlier conversations just around kind of how we were raised, right? And it's like this, this training ground, this social conditioning Mm -hmm. training ground that... (laughs) Right. That really, mm-hmm. you know, once it's kind of exposed, it's like, oh, my God, you can't unsee it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So talk a little bit about. Yeah, because I want to know, like, your experience of it, because, I, I, you know, yeah. we have our kind of story around yes. it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up fundamentalist. And what that meant was functionally. I was in a private Christian school and then every weekend would be in a, in a church where women were not honored. They didn't have leadership roles and I was not given freedom. And what I was told was on top of that was that I was responsible for the men. And so, you know, you're putting kindergartners, you know, you're sending kindergartners to gym class and they have to wear pants under their skirt because, you know, God forbid a little boy see a flash of your underpants. And, you know, what would that mean for him? Oh, my word. You know, and then on top of that, you know, to have our textbooks be written by a university that had gotten in trouble legally over and over again for segregation. And this is like, this is like the 1980s, not the 1960s. So, you know, I just was steeped in a environment where I was told what I could not do and what, and I was shown over again, over and over and over again, what I could not do. 
So I go off to a Bible college because I don't think I can go to a, you know, a, a secular, a, a, like a real college. So I go to a Bible college and what are my choices? My choices are church secretary, missionary track, teacher, mother, or uh, yeah, well, and that was, they'd call it what they would call it mother or um, not mother studies, but um, women's studies. And what that was, was hoping around, hoping to get your MRS degree, hoping to get married. Okay. Because that's your track. And so, you know, so you're so professionally, these are your choices. So I didn't see women who had careers. If they worked, it was because they were divorced and they had to or widowed. They didn't have a choice. It wasn't that they wanted these jobs and that they wanted to go out and, and have something that was their own. That was never modeled to me. I, I mean, I just, you know, I just didn't have any concept. And until you know, why did it take me so long? Well, it, it takes a pretty long time to unpeel all of that stuff. Yeah, it takes it does a it really ever. long time. It takes modeling. You have to be able to see people. That's why it's so important for me to do and to speak up because it, that needs to be modeled. People need to be able to see what it looks like. That it's not anti-men. It's just functioning in the world as, a, as an equal human being. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, it just, it took a long time. Yeah, well, and Andrea is a big fan. She, you know, she'll say often, like, water seeks its own level. And it's true, you know, when you are surrounded and raised in this, you know, cultural conditioning, it's like everyone around you is like you, right? And so, right. again, there's there's that kind of lack of modeling or absence of the empowered feminine. And mm-hmm. if you cannot see it, Right. There's know it. It, it. Like, what does it look like? What does it sound like? Mm-hmm. What does it even mean exactly? And, and really right. awaken to this idea, actually, that that brings me kind of into this next subject matter with you, which is which is interesting that I'm going to go here because Andrea's like, where are you going? <laughs> Yeah, well, so I'm just really fascinated and and I wondered what you would say about it. You know, like so much of this in terms of what you're speaking to, this modeling, one of the things that's really become so apparent to me is the lack of, you know, obviously this has been exposed so much in the last few years, just the lack of her story versus history, right? Like that all of the absence of females who have made discoveries, contributions, influencers all over that have taken a backseat or that men have actually taken the credit for books that have been written, discoveries, scientific discoveries that have been made, right? I mean, this is rampant. And Mm -hmm. I know for myself that is a very small girl in church, my introduction, so to speak, into the trance of unworthiness was really watching my mother kind of really kind of be what I would call like asleep at the wheel as it related to being alive in any other capacity other than to be in service to her husband and kind of sacrifice her own life. And Oh, very, very subservient and kind of knew her place in the world, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing, you know, as I kind of really continued to reveal for my own self, you know, what 
because my expression, I was really clear from a young girl was not in the Catholic church, but I didn't know what that meant about me, right? Like I just, it didn't resonate for me. And so I didn't realize that there was a difference between practicing a religion and actually having a spirituality that was all my own. Oh, yeah. 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 And so what kind of started to show up for me, especially kind of down the road and even up until a few years ago was like whenever somebody would bring up the goddess, right? Like Uh I would actually like recoil. Yeah. Yeah. She would literally, when Monica and I first met, you know, seven years ago, I was speaking the goddess language, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would literally see Monica be like, okay, no, we can't do that. It's like too woo woo. Like, and I'm like, Okay. All right. We can, we can back off on that. No problem. And now it's a crack up because Monica is like, oh my gosh, have you read this? And oh my gosh, goddess this. And I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What, what was showing up for me was more about, you know, goddess in context, because again, like really looking at all of this lack of modeling, right? It's just here are the implications for me. And this is what I want to hear about from you is to really look at all of the paradox that life is right dark light, yin yang, give, receive, God, goddess, right? It's like the other half of the equation, the masculine feminine, right? That there's this dynamic, this harmony in the paradox, this arc of experience, like, for example, it's been said over and over, like, we cannot know our full capacity for coming into our light, like our light being our most kind of divine selves, if we do not actually have a grasp on our shadow selves. And yeah, Andrea's talking about, you know, lots of death to rebirth the new, right? So again, this paradoxical kind of understanding or this cyclical nature of how life works. And so I'm just curious, like, it's the goddess is so absent from any, like, religious experience here, at least in America, right? Right, right. Yeah, like in your mainline or your, like, typical, like, Christian kind of presentation like why is why is that there's a great celtic tradition which it kind of got snuffed out very early on and you can imagine why because patriarchy is so strong but there there was kind of a a sort of understanding that you know this this idea of the trinity that you had god the father and you had god the son but the holy spirit for this kind of early church mindset was a woman was a feminine and so like wouldn't that make more sense that the like the, the holy family would be both that it would be this community that it would be this encircling love and so there's a pilgrimage that you can go on in an island called Ionia where like the first thing you find on the island is a statue of a vagina yes it's like you know so what's missing is what got stamped out was because of patriarchy and i think it's coming to the surface as for a lot of us that the divine is in you. You know, the way we express it in our faith tradition is that, you know, the Holy Spirit is in you. Well, that means you are, you're divine. You have the divine in you. You are in God. God is in you and you are in God and that you are part of this thing, but we don't talk about it in a mystical way because we're uncomfortable with that. But that is changing. 
that's great that I'm hearing you say that is changing. So like, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? Where are you experiencing it? Well, I think there's the embracing of, of mystery Mm -hmm. because for so long we have dealt in terms of certitude and people have looked to their faith, their religion to give them answers, to comfort them about the things they're afraid of. And instead we, especially in our, in our church at vintage, we embrace mystery that they're like, it's the not knowing that's just as important. And that I don't know is an important theological answer to questions. I love that. Because that's what faith is. Faith isn't knowing everything and being so sure of everything that you go out and beat everybody over the head with it. Faith is, I don't know, but this is what I lean into. This is what I rest in. This is what I fall into. And ultimately it comes down to love and relationships and belonging. And so that's what we do as women. We love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. You know, we we look to survival. We 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 nurture. We nurture ourselves. We nurture each other. We foster growth. We make things happen. We carry life inside of us. Mm. So that is all the divine. Yes, it is. So Yes, it is. Yeah. So I mean, I think people get thrown off with terminology. Like, oh, you know, they're the goddess thing. They don't know what to do with it because that sounds pagan or it sounds whatever. But, you know, there's a certain, I've begun to say that it's idolatrous to, to use he and him pronouns exclusively for God. God is not man or woman, you know, but we, we've become literalists. Biblical literists have become so like stuck on that language that they, they've made it an idol that like somehow God has genitalia that like matches men. Like it's idolatry. It's an, it's an idol in their mind. And I have begun to speak against that, that like God is, God is not man or woman. God is like, that's, those are metaphors to help us understand God, but they're only metaphors. Like Jesus having a body is helpful for us in to the extent that it helps us understand human, like God's willingness to become what he loves. And I even, I, you know, I still use he like out of habit, but God, God becomes human to show love. And well, and so what you're pointing to again is like so fascinating. And I, where I'm going in my head too, is kind of like, where do women, like, what do you think is needed for women to kind of really start to hear and explore and get the message that they are just as divine, that they are just as, yeah. They need to hear, they need to hear womanist theology. They need to hear women speak to them about how they reflect God and how God is reflected in them. Because there's a really wooden understanding that like somehow you know, Eve was taken out of man. So she's like a second class citizen in this metaphorical Adam and Eve story. And, and really the way that was intended to be told was that woman was taken out of man as equal and maybe even a crowning, the crowning achievement of creation Mm -hmm. that like created last in an icing on the cake kind of way. And so what they 
there needs to be these discussions where women are helping other women understand the value and validity. And I, I mean, I think that's what you did with me, right? So you call me up and you say, I cannot believe your story. I cannot believe you said this. This is so important. I can't believe the way you told this. You, what you reflected back to me was, this really is amazing. And we're not hearing this enough. And, you know, we get in our heads, we're like, well, doesn't everybody do this? Or doesn't everybody think this? And like, you need somebody to witness to you to say, oh, no, this is actually really incredible and really special. And so we need women speaking to other women saying, seriously, when you did this, that was reflective, like, that was, like, God-like what you did. That was divine what you did. I started saying to my friends, like, you're magic. Yeah. Like, there's something magical about what you do. That, yeah. like, like, this is, like, so much bigger than you realize. And I think we haven't spoken to one another in that way. Really, unfortunately, I, because, you know, patriarchy makes us compete with one another. Yeah, instead yeah. Instead of working together. I love that. You said that to me the other day. You were like, I think we were texting, right? And and I said something about, mm-hmm. I, I think I said, I said there needs to be a book title called Finding God Outside the Patriarchy, right? Or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, and you ended it with your magical or your magic. And I was like, yeah. you know, thank you. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah. like, you know, it's so against the norm, right? Like even to, right. even to acknowledge, yes, I am magical. Thank you. It's true. Right. It's just mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. shocking to the system, like in t- taboo for women. Yeah. yeah. So it really, I mean, it's, it's kind of like what we're revealing here is that there's this, there's so much wanting to surface in terms of support for women to hear these messages, hear these stories in a new way, claim their birthright. Yeah, they're Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much here, right? There's so many levels of discussion, but you're absolutely right when you talk about what's not normal and how as women we are kind of conditioned to behave as if, you know, we're suspicious of one another versus to celebrate each other and see each other and witness each other and Uh declare each other magical and unique and special and divine and right. All of these powerful, Powerful. so powerful. And it, there is such a deep hunger to be seen and witnessed and known by the feminine. And I think that it's starting to show up like a just a loud, loud cry, mm-hmm. you know, universal cry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting to me in, in my sphere of spiritual teachers, whatever, there is a class, there is a, there's a group of women that have just like, you know, they used blogs to gain platforms that so far superseded like their masculine peers who they were using churches yeah, as a platform. And so their church was limited to the size that their church could grow to. And so these men are like leading these organizations and they're, they're like, they have these like small empires and these like, and these women 
in this evangelical tradition are like, okay, well, that's great, but I'm going to go ahead and just have this massive platform that far exceeds like any kind of, you know, hierarchy and, you know, all of this structure. I'm just going to go beyond that altogether and just connect with people and have just their platforms are so much bigger and they're going so much further and they're pushing conversations. So you have, you know, you have a Beth Moore who has kept all the rules that the Southern Baptist convention gave her that she's not allowed to be a preacher, but she's got millions of women that are listening to her teaching. And it's like, it superseded the packaging that we're supposed to have. So, okay, fine. You won't let me be a pastor. That's fine. But I, you know, I've got this massive ministry. And so you've got like, just, there's a whole bunch of women that are doing this. And so the conversations they're pushing are, you know, what are you men going to do about sexual abuse in the church? Because we're, we're not going to sit by and let you do this to our kids. You did it to us. But we're not, you're not going to do it to our kids. We're not going to let this happen. And so they're, they're calling it out. They're calling out like, what's, what is, what the hell is happening at the border? This is not okay. Yeah. Like, and no, you're not going to control our bodies. And no, you're not going to mistreat LGBTQ people. No, this is not going to happen on our watch. We're not going to allow this. This is not acceptable. So you all can debate the theology and the Bible passages until you're black in the face, but we're going to like, we're going to go out and, you know, actually take care of people and love people and welcome people and support them and make sure they get what they need. Glennon Doyle, like, let her rise. Like, let's let's pull together what we have and make something happen for people. And I don't care if we all agree theologically. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is we, that we love people and support them. So to me, these, these women are just like, yeah, we're, we're kind of done with all your little debates and all your little nitpicking, your creeds. Like focusing on the wrong conversation, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really interesting because I always kind of look at conversations as so powerful and oftentimes we're having kind of this subconscious conversation, but yet life is lived inside of whatever conversation we're honoring. And if we're not conscious to the conversation that we're honoring, in so many cases, we're complicit, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. kind of that unconscious behavior, I think that really is so important right now. That's where, again, this disruption, this intolerance becomes very potent and powerful is because it forces Mm -hmm. people to stop being asleep or complacent. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, and I think I'm maybe answering my own question here, but maybe not, is that, you know, then you have kind of this, you know, 51% the population is women, right? And then you have kind of the voting population of females that voted in the patriarchy, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. like that kind of keeps the system in place. I'm interested kind of in also really revealing more around that conversation and disrupting it because it's, I don't know, I'm just wondering what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done right there. I recently had this conversation with a group of women and we came to this conclusion that like, we're willing to put up with a lot of suffering ourselves but what do we do with our kids? Like there's something about our kids. And for me, that was what unlocked me with my kids. Tell me more. So 
we had two biological kids and then we adopted and then I had a big surprise baby when I was 39. She's 10 years younger than the other kids. But it was our adopted kid who really started me on this path of deconstructing because the answers that I was given and the format that I was given to survive in within the church worked for this kind of typical biological, you know, the kids you had, whatever. But when we adopted and we opened our eyes to the foster care system and the difficulty with immigrants and how they're being treated in in our country. And so, you know, my daughter's biologically Mexican and Cuban. So I had to wake up to the realities of where she came from and what her biology and the trauma that she was handed, mental health problems, healthcare just a, a world of things that I didn't, I never had to think about before. And the faith that I was given had no good answers, no guiding principles. The, like all of their stuff didn't work for her. And it, and for me that dismantled it all, because if it doesn't work for everybody, then it must not be true. Mm. If we don't have faith answers that work for everyone that meet everybody's need, then they're not really, they're not really real. They're not really helpful. Yeah. There's so the day. Yeah. There's the divide, right? Right. There's the divide. Yeah. So, so that forced me to look at injustice that was happening to these kids. And then I began to realize the ongoing injustice to my own kids, that they have to go to school every day and be scared that they're going to get shot because these lawmakers can't get their heads out of their asses to protect school children. Yeah. Because they want their guns so bad, you know, like, I don't want this for my kids. So all of a sudden, you've awakened Mama Bear. There you go. So there's the the outrage, right? Yeah. There's the intolerance. We love intolerance because it actually gets us to move, to create change. Activated. Yeah. Yeah. And that personal piece for you around your daughter, right, Mm -hmm. is so important, right, that we do make it personal. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. been trained, oh, don't make it personal. I actually say, oh, hell yeah, make it personal yes. all day long. It is. Politics is extremely personal. Yes. I, I Never in my life has a president of the United States so impacted my everyday life, yeah. like every single day. He is impacting what is happening to my kids, to my health, to my husband, what we eat, where it's coming from, what we're paying for, how we survive, like how we make decisions about where we go, like every freaking day. It is super personal. And I think the other thing, too, is that like we were taught in these faith traditions that anger wasn't okay and that we were supposed to be these nice girls. And I am so done with this. Like, so this is dumb. what I've begun to realize. My husband has to work hard at being nicer to people, and I have to work harder at being more pissed off. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I love that. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, no, no, no. No, no, no. I don't need any more. Like, I don't need more training on being nice. Yeah. Like, that's not serving anybody. Uh, yeah. That's not helping. Exactly. No, no it's like... This anger is here for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have a question for you. What's yeah. what's the action for the woman that's really wanting to take the veils off, right? She's starting to take the veils off and she's wanting 
to jump into the revolution of divine consciousness, what would you advise mm-hmm. her to do? Read. Love it. Join a public book club. Don't like not necessarily don't go to a church book club. Go to a go to a public library and join a, join that book club. And that's where you're going to meet people who care about like thinking. And then you're going to start networking. You're going to start meeting people who are doing things that are part of organizations or places that need you to volunteer or I mean, we all have different roles to play, right? Because, like, some of us are not wired. I'm not wired to join an organization and to volunteer and be part of, like, a system. I'm not, like, I'm not good at that. But but I'm going to make more art, and I'm going to speak up, and I'm going to share information. And so. Right, right. So the the other one that comes up for me is, like, get curious, right? And I love that you say read, And then there's all the, you know, it's like start reading. And like you said, all those social media platforms, like the bloggers, right? Yeah. Listening to to podcasts such as this one today, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because we, we can't take in wholesale change, right? But we can, because it's too overwhelming. Like if you try to listen to like somebody who's like way, 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 way on on the other side, that might be overwhelming. You might not be able to assimilate it. Start listening to somebody who's just a little bit further ahead on the path, who's just a little bit different, who's asking like a question that's like, yeah, but what if we did like this? Because those baby steps, see, I think we, we want, I mean, we desperately need revolutions, right? We desperately need like things to change like big time, but, but we get there with baby steps. It's a long game. It's a really, really long game. So take the next little baby step. I think we get really overwhelmed. It's like, oh my word, these problems are so huge. What could I possibly do to make any kind of change? Like just do one little baby step. Like reading and sharing one article that you know that somebody's not going to like and defending it, being willing to be uncomfortable with that. Like being willing to, to deal with some conflicts, go to therapy. Yeah. Like acknowledge some of your, like your learned responses you know, those are small radical things that could have like a really big impact. Love, love that. Right. Small radical things. It's so, so true. Yeah. Right. There's a willing, I think that another thing that we're conditioned to do is to kind of look for comfort, right? Look for happiness. And, you know, we're, we're actually not wired to be happy all the time. It's just not no. right. Like, so that's, that's no. another kind no. of fallacy and it's so, it's so boring and it's so overemphasized yeah. in terms yeah. of like this, this place to dwell. And it's like, Oh my God. Right. Like there's actually so yeah. much wisdom and so many revelations available when you dare to be uncomfortable, dare to get out of the comfort zone. And then we're kind of always really talking about the importance of women reconnecting to their feeling centers, you know, and Mm -hmm. these, the, our emotions, right. And you were talking about anger, Mm -hmm. our emotions, are women, the feminine access to creativity. And, you know, we are creators, we are the origin Uh of creation. And so there's this whole Uh kind of need that, you know, you really pointed to earlier in the discussion about feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of being willing to sit 
or reveal the discomfort. And it, what I'm hearing is it certainly didn't, you know, it was kind of like a, a big ball of yarn once you started finding the, the threads, right? It, it just kept unraveling and unraveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of amazing because what happens, you begin to be okay with the unraveling. You begin to be okay with the like, okay, so I don't have all my shit together. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, that's all right. I don't have to have all the answers, but I do need to ask the question that like, why am I, why am I so bored? Why do I find this so unfulfilling? I mean, there was a moment in my life where I had the cute white picket fence, (laughs) three bedroom house, the three kids. I was doing exactly what I thought I was, you know, that I was supposed to do stay at home, mommy. And I was bored out of my mind. I I was depressed out of my mind. And it was because there was nothing exhilarating. There was no fear. It was, there was no terror involved. And there's a certain amount, we need a certain amount. Like, I wonder sometimes, like, if our anxiety is so high, because we don't, we're not like, feeling our lives. We're not doing anything that's dangerous enough to like, release that, like, like that life and death that came with us in evolution. Like we don't have to go out and like be afraid that we're not going to, that we're going to face a bear. Right. Like post-traumatic boredom disorder versus post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Yes. Like go out and do something you're scared of. Like it'll be good for you. Like we need that. We need that exhilaration and we need that wind on our face. Like, you mean, you know, you yeah. want to breathe real air. <laughs> and giving ourselves permission to feel the feelings yeah. that are so yeah. informative, right? That are so yeah. wise and powerful and access portals of information. I feel like that's where. Yeah. yeah, I think we get mixed up, I think, between like feeling nothing. Like we we're just numbed out, right? We're like, okay, Netflix and a bag of chips. Like I, you know, and that's we're like, okay, well, you know, we're, I'm super busy and I'm doing all this stuff, and now I'm exhausted and I don't. We're we're not paying attention. We're asleep. We're asleep in our own minds. And so, like, sit down and wake up. Andrea is saying we're a lot of us are shut off from our our personal truth. Yeah, because we because we know, like, I mean, we know on some level, like there's stuff in there that we need to take hold of and we're scared that it's going to be too big or too hard or it's going to like so many things will have to change. And yeah, yeah, they might. And there's so much more life on the other side of that. Yeah. It's, it gets so much better on the other side of that. Yeah. I just, I know that we're um, kind of coming up on time. And, and so one of the things I want to say is just, you know, like it's been such a great, experience being able to know you more deeply having first heard you a year ago on you know a podcast and I know you had even recorded that even longer ago right but yeah yeah I'm just so curious for you know knowing what I heard that day and where you are now what are your dreams for yourself for you know what would you want to reveal for your own life, like another year from now, say, like, what are, what are you Mm. kind of really wanting to focus on? So 
probably the last eight years or so, I have, you know, I've got two Etsy shops and I, you know, sell vintage stuff and I make these mosaics out of broken dishes and, you know, have been able to be, I've been able to use that to, to keep us afloat. You know, you got, you don't realize stuff, right? But I'm keenly aware of the fact that if I don't start taking some risks with my art, like I have these ideas in my head of pieces I want to make that are really kind of angry and uncomfortable. They're not sweets and they're <laughs> not easy to take. Yeah. But if I don't make them and put them out there in the world, I'm going to be really mad at myself because there's a certain amount of block that people will put up mentally to hearing like that statistics and facts and math and whatever, but art comes into you at a different level. It comes in lower and harder and deeper. And so if I don't start accessing that, if I don't start using my creativity to make that kind of level stuff, I'm going to be really disappointed with myself. I'm aware that something is shifting in my mind about the way I, like the way I literally spend my days where I need to lift up my chin and look a little higher at a different horizon. And I mean, I, that means I got to put myself out there and like, and put out work and want, you know, galleries or showings for that and maybe get turned down and have, you know, feel stupid or feel like a failure. And that has to be okay. I got to do it. I got to do it. Yeah. So that's risk for you to actually kind of venture more into revealing more of how you're wanting to express yourself through your art, that there's some risk associated there in terms of Mm -hmm. really how it might impact. Right. Like what might that say or... So Vanessa, you know, you've activated a lot in your life, right? We can hear it. And I love your passion, by the way. It's like, you just lit me up over here. (laughs) Really, it's been so wonderful. And Monica said I'd be in for a treat. And all of us, all the listeners, this has been so amazing. But I'm also hearing that there's something that you're calling out in yourself around with this next you know, goal, right? Like, yeah, there's something more for me in my art and the creativity of it. There's a risk and there's something about upsetting your status quo now, which is actually quite elevated and things are, you know, moving and grooving, but Uh right. Yeah. You can keep making commercially acceptable art that people want but that isn't going to, you're not tapping into your voice and you've got to use your voice to say the things. If you don't do it, then like you're the only one who can say what you say. So if you don't do that, you've robbed the world of some important perspective or some thing that we, you know, need to hear. And so art is really one of those crazy things that like people feel like they can live without it. And so it's easy to slip into a scarcity mindset of like, well, I got to get paid. I don't have time to make stuff that I won't, that I won't be able to sell. Right. Yeah. But if you don't do that, you're going to hate yourself. (laughs) And I, I mean, 
I'm all of a sudden realizing, like, I just said that out loud. And if a year goes by and I haven't made this, I'm going to hate myself. So I guess I'm making myself sort of accountable here. But Right? Because you're saying no to stagnation, right? Like, I'm hearing that it's like... And people might not like it. They might not like it. Yeah. They might think it's dumb. They might think it's cheesy. They might think it's, you know, who are you to say that? Yeah, super vulnerable. Yeah. But you've got to do it. Like, you got to do it. Right? Because that's where you feel most alive. It's going back to what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like living in that heart pounding, you know, adrenaline coursing through your being. Like, oh my Uh gosh, I'm holding on now because I could literally get the shit kicked out of me. Right? Uh Body, mind, Uh spirit. Yeah. And nonetheless... I can't not do it. It's like once we know this way of being conscious, like once uh-huh. we buy into the like the magic of it, we can't go back, right? We just cannot uh-huh. go back and go to sleep. Yeah. 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 And then we can nonetheless get comfortable where we are, right? Even in this this place of consciousness, like where you are, right? You're like this highly conscious, evolved, and continuing to evolve being, right? And you're a messenger. And you've got a lot happening over there. I can hear it. And yet, you're really calling yourself out saying, I cannot ignore that niggling, like calling. Yes right? In this side pocket and it's getting louder. I mean, there's, there's a great, you know, Bible story. It's so funny because I like, I find myself going back to the stories that I, that I heard as a kid and they meant something different. They mean something different to me now. They're kind of, they've become sort of magic to me now, but there's a story about somebody with a calling that God says, I want you to go do this thing. And and he doesn't want to do it. And he runs the opposite direction. He gets on a boat and he gets swallowed by a fish. And I mean, it's a classic. Everybody knows Jonah. But like that metaphor for me is like there's all this living that you could be doing. And if you run away from your calling, it's not that you get punished. You just miss out. Like there's no punishment. There's just the missing out on it. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's like the missing out on life, right? Like that's actually yeah. like where life lives is like, yeah, actually... you, think you're, you, you think you're trying to preserve your life by not taking any chances. And the reality is that you're losing life yeah. by not taking any chances. Yeah, I love that. And therein also is where that, that faith gets reinvited back into this, the loop of this conversation. Yeah. There's kind of a, a part of us that needs to trust, Uh right? Not only that we're capable of revealing this, you know, divine purpose that we're all kind of here to be true to, right? Mm -hmm. And that we're kind of in partnership with that, which we believe is calling us forth, right? To to reveal that as big as we can be, as bright as we can be, as awake as we can mm. be. So yeah, I just want to thank you for just such a rich and beautiful conversation as always. Aww. 
And it's so great to be able to introduce you to Andrea. And yes, so great. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Vanessa, we need to is, hang out. Yes, we we do. We all need to hang out. We'll we'll have to figure that yeah. out at some point. But deep, yeah. deep, deep gratitude, and thank you for honoring us today and our listeners oh, with your you. with your story and so much of what we are all really wanting to wake up to. Mm. Oh, bless you all. Bless you all. Yeah. Bless us all. Exactly. All right, my yeah. love, well, we will talk. I'm sure we'll do another episode. There's no doubt. Yay. The conversation will continue. Anytime. Awesome. Anytime. All right. Well, here's to revealing more and we'll talk to you soon. In celebration of our podcast launch, Andrea and I would like to extend a special offer for $100 off our Loving Yourself Well e-course. Please go to jointherevelation.com and enter podcast 100 at the checkout. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.